With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man. And that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Docking. Terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soul. Joining me for another episode into the weird and wonderful that uh, is ever-present in our lives here in the land down under, and that, of course, is Holly Soul. I mean, does it count when Australian history as a subject is just under weird and wonderful? I think so. Like, I think uh, someone said to me once, they're like, so when do you think you'll wrap the show up? And I mean, what are we up to now? Episode 147. And I I said, I don't think we ever will wrap the show as long as Holly and I are still enthusiastic about it. I said, because the stories will never end. Like no no matter how long we do this for. And because I think that was one of your concerns when we first started the show. I'd be like, we'll have 20 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, we'll do, we'll do what? maybe 20, like you said, maybe 20 odd episodes. And I said, well, let me put together a list of 50. And I managed to put together a list of 50 and you're like, okay, well, that's at least a year, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know? And then what would you go back and tell your younger self now? Don't fucking do it. It's so much work. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll tell you two very quick stories before we jump into today's subject, because this is going to be a shorter episode. It's a, it's an episode between something horrific, so you know it's always going to be a little bit shorter, a little bit more fun. So I've got two quick stories I'm going to share with you, uh, which are sort of weird crap in Australia related for, for two different reasons. So the first one is, you know, all those crazy green meteorites that everyone's been seeing uh, that, that keep landing here in Australia, Holly? Nope. Tell me about them. <laughs> That's funny because we covered it on a mini-sode. You actually brought up the- Oh, uh, I thought you meant something had happened this week. It did happen this week to me. Okay, but, I not, saw but one. not the green meteorite. No, I saw okay. I saw a green meteorite over Canberra. It was It, it is actually very disconcerting uh, when you see a green meteorite. Uh, the reason they, they are green is because the minerals within the, uh, the, the rock- I think green is copper. Yeah, they're interacting with the heat uh, of the atmosphere as, as they- they penetrate our atmosphere, but it does look very disconcerting because it looks like it's a, a green fireball coming right at you. So that was my first story. Second story, you might find this funny. Uh, now, uh, myself and Holly, we both work in a retail situation. And that's as specific as we would like to be about that. So a coworker comes up to me because I, I'm part of the management team and uh, I'm with the, the assistant manager as well. He comes up and he goes, um, so there's a problem in the car park. I said, 
okay, what, what's the problem? Someone having a fight because where I am, that, that particular area is notorious for violence. And he's like, so I went home for lunch because he had an hour lunch. He goes, I went home for lunch and there was a lady in the car next to me, but she looked a bit slumped over in a car. So I've come back and she's still slumped over in the front seat of a car. And immediately I'm like, oh no, I know where this is going. I've done enough podcasts. And myself, the assistant store manager, the coworker, we all go out because we figure, you know, either someone needs first aid, some first aid train, uh, or so, or, or this is this is corpse removal. Either way, an ambulance is getting called. Either way, lots of people are getting called because um, I'm not equipped. I didn't bring my corpse handling gloves with me to that day. So anyway, uh, we walk up to the car, and just as the coworker had said, she was still slumped over, perfectly still. And I'm going around the front of the car. ASM is going up to the window. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a dead body. Like, we are definitely dealing with a corpse. Anyway, ASM, boom, 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 knocks on the window. Boom, she's awake. Like, it was if, <laughs> like Jesus has walked out of the tomb himself. She was aware and she was awake. Now, this person had been in that position like hunched over her her steering column as far as we knew for an hour solid so that in itself was surprising um turns out and the the, the car would, had been running okay, it had been running for a solid hour die. well that's why we thought we're like this person is dead we're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with this uh and she went on to explain that no she just turned it on because she was waiting for someone she wanted the air conditioner but it was so weird it was such a freaky experience so yeah, I thought I wouldn't be recording a podcast tonight. I thought I'd be like, uh, no, you know what, Holly? I had to deal with a corpse tonight. I'm going to go to bed early. I had to go down the police station and give a statement. So that's not happening today. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that wasn't it. So those are my two little weird stories that did occur in Australia. And that's why they call the show Weird Crap in Australia. But what are we talking about today, Holly? So today we're actually going into the legend of the One Thaggy Monster. One Thaggy. Yeah, one thaggy is a little town in Victoria. And they have their own monster. And they have their own monster. Like a bogan version of Loch Ness? I guess. <laughs> it's not a water monster. Well, let's talk about this. This is episode 147. The 148. One, the 148. 148. That's interesting because if you have a look at the notes that we share right now, what's that say? Yeah, but what's on the top of the header? The one that I actually changed when we turned the last episode into a two-parter. Settle the debate for us, folks. Would you look at the file header or would you look at the actual script that we used to do the episodes? I change what's in the file. I just <laughs> rename the file name. I know what I'm doing. So the Catch up, Matthew. <laughs> the, the Wathagi monster, it's time to touch on some more cryptozoological creatures. I really hate that word. Me too. <laughs> Australia is an open land of spaces. In fact, it's so wide open that in the average, most household backyards are 100 square metres. Pretty good in a shrinking world with more people. So if there's so much open space, one could conclude that you may have all manner of undiscovered animals out there in the scrub. Today's subject could be one of them. On December 1, 1955, Tom Gannon, the editor of the Powlett Express, published an article recounting sightings of a strange animal either passing through or living in the Wonthaggy area. The majority of the early sightings, prior to the 1970s, 
were published in the same newspaper, also known as the Wonthaggy or Powlett Express, depending on who you talk to. Now we have a quote here from the Basque Coast Post. Fuck that tongue twister. (laughs) (laughs) This first article was called, What's Up That Tree? Being a trained journalist, Gannon interviewed the two people who saw the creature and, clearly feeling a little bit sceptical, he also interviewed an expert and even contacted a circus that had recently passed through the area to find out if any of their animals had gone missing. The first article outlined a sighting of the creature, which was seen by Fred Rowlandson and his employee, Mrs Sturgis, at 7.30 on a Monday morning. It was up a tree, big as a dog, with large claws, large head, furry body, striped like a zebra with a long tail. When I heard the yell, I thought it was children looking for a lost calf. When it saw me, it sprang 15 feet to the ground and disappeared. I've seen goannas, frill-necked lizards, wild cats and foxes, but it was none of them. And that's from the Pallet Express article. The theory was put forth that it was a greater glider, which can grow to to be 40 to 45 centimetres long without counting the tail, which is another 45 to 55 centimetres. It has a gliding membrane, but does not possess stripes. There was also the theory that it was a feral cat or a long-furred domestic startled by witnesses. But when we're talking about the greater glider, which I happen to think is probably the most likely explanation in this uh, situation, we're actually talking about an Australian marsupial possum. Yeah. Uh, and they are very similar to the North American flying squirrel in the ref- in the fact that they have this spread their arms and membranes. legs and fly. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever seen one do it? I have, yes. I've seen it. It's very cool. It's like, very go, cool. you little furry bastard, go. <laughs> Holly always insults everything that she loves. Bastards are term of endearment. <laughs> That's what she tells me. <laughs> An investigation by the local newspaper found that a circus, which was passing through around the time of the sighting, was not missing a single animal. <laughs> Could you imagine that uh, circus performer, though, like, roll up, roll up, see the... What do you mean it's missing? Well, where did it go? Well, who saw it last? Roll up, roll up and see the invisible jaguar. Definitely not lost in the forest or bushland around the circus tents. <laughs> I was just thinking that you were going to be like, what have we got? Uh, see the amazing trained rats. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever was in that tree was either a native animal or came from a different source. As was probably the intention, the newspaper article stirred up the town and suddenly this small country village was the talk of the area for its monster. Everyone was suddenly seeing the creature. And isn't that a typical thing, Matthew? Well, I've actually lived in a small town where such strange occurrences uh, happen. The first being the the real prominent one I can remember is uh, there was a disappearance, which is most likely suspected to be a murder. We'll actually cover that on an episode of Weird Crap. The other occasion was when... My aunt or second aunt or great aunt or some bullshit like that, an aunt twice (laughs) removed, uh, she saw a flying saucer or she thought she did. And then the reporters came out and they took photos and it was a thing. You you roll your eyes, but you were desperate to see a flying saucer yourself. 100%, which is why I'll never see it. But you still rolled your eyes at your aunt or great aunt or et cetera. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure she saw nothing and she was just crazy. 
Or she was drunk. It's we true. know that side of the family. <laughs> they were there were a lot of them were nuts. On December 8, 1955, the Argus stirred up its own little uh, article here. The monster's goddess. Not since the 1937 mine disaster has one thaggy been so stirred. Nobody is talking about anything except the animal. The monster, some call it. Shop assistants are quizzed. If the customer doesn't raise the subject, shop assistants do. One hotel notice board reads, it hasn't been caught yet. So there's just a little bit of uh, fascination going on with that thing. You can tell that I really like 1940s American announcers. Yeah, just a little bit. The creature returns. The man. Don't run from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Frankenstein's monster now has a bride and she's electric. That's horrible. I hope that wasn't the actual tagline. It probably was. (laughs) By Christmas that year, however, holidays overtook the town's monster fascination and sightings became fewer. By February 1956, however, the monster appeared to have moved on. In June 1956, it was reported that the monster was back in one thaggy hunting sheep. The Melbourne Argus got wind of the story and sent a reporter to cover it. They took a dog with them, hoping to hunt the monster down. They tracked it to a tree after spending all day hunting through scrubland. However, as the article stated... Yesterday, Argus photographer Percy Spiden and I made a special trip to Wonthaggy to hunt the mystery animal, which has been sighted by a number of people since early this year. Fierce barking by our dog warned us that he had flushed the quarry, but only the dog got a good look at the monster. If you have a tracking dog and it chases something to a tree, it's following a possum or a cat, guys. Or a goanna. Or a goanna. It is not chasing a monster. Goanna is a big lizard, a, a, a full-grown goanna hanging off the side of a tree. That thing does look like a monster. That's as close as to Godzilla as I'll ever get. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Actually, the closest I want to get to Godzilla, they've opened a Godzilla museum in Japan. And to enter the museum, you have to flying fox through a life-size head of Godzilla. And me and you are doing that, Holly. Says the dude who's afraid of heights. I don't care. You get to fly into <laughs> Godzilla's mouth. Uh, what's interesting about that quote, uh, it came from the Argus 1956. You know what I saw on auction the other day? The very last copy uh, of the Argus, the very last printed edition. Um, someone had it up for about $300. Why? <laughs> I don't know, probably a bit of, bit of fun history. I, I know it's a historical thing, but at the same time, it's like, why? Wow. Why would you want it other than to use it for toilet paper? <laughs> the monster remained at large. There remains interest in the monster, though it was delegated to small columns and back pages of newspapers. But what's interesting, it does keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is what we talk about when we see the, the birth of a myth. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what we're seeing here. One dude comes up with a story and suddenly everybody's jumping on it and seeing it. Yeah, and I mean, like, you have to also factor in a lot of stuff. Um, okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, these sort of stories get repeated around campfires. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about you, Holly, but when we go, when I've been camping that one time, because <laughs> I fucking hate it. When I went camping, there were beers and other things and different things and I only went you know, camping with the scouts so you're looking at chocolate milk and chocolate here <laughs> oh you weren't you didn't go with that scout troop that did like a MDMA and ecstasy and no I missed that one you missed that one I you think didn't I was, get, I've left the scouts when I was 16 so I think it was the over 18s who did that one you weren't allowed in the fun troop no no I wasn't yeah. I swore at way too many people to end up in the fun troop, unfortunately. There's, there's no over 18 <laughs> scouts, is there? Like, don't you just become a scout leader once you're an adult? I don't know. I never got there. You know? Or you're that one sad guy who's now in his 40s and he's still wearing his scout uniform, just wandering the streets looking sad. I honestly don't know. Anyway, so I was saying that, you know, <laughs> around campfires, these stories get told and then sort of retreaded and you know you may be drunk off your ass and you've already got it in the back of your mind and then you stumble and oh my god you you think you're seeing that but what you're seeing is a, a possum running in the dark or a fox or it's even just the sun the moon shining off some fucking leaves moving in the wind or it could just be matthew going on his nightly bush moonwalk <laughs> i've never done that i'm not i'm not no, no, I wasn't saying that I was going to be nude, moon as in by the moonlight. You sure, pervert. that's what you were saying. You know always tell she's after my body, can't you? <laughs> she's just constantly looking at me going, mm. this is This is sexual harassment in the workplace is what this is. <laughs> well, as your boss, I'm telling you, get over it. <laughs> See, another victim being hushed up. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh about that. Shouldn't no, we shouldn't. About that. Look. Just to just for the record, we've covered enough horrendous things done to people that you know that we have empathy for for victims of actual crime. But every now and again, me and Holly, who surround ourselves with such macabre things, our sense of humor is warped now. This is what happens. We have such black humor, dark you know, humor, whatever you, you want to call it. That's what that's what makes it onto the recordings. Yeah. You have no idea what we talk <laughs> about and the way More we joke cuts. about it. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, back on topic, back on track. We have another quote from the Bass Coast Post. Over the years, traps were set, footprints were seen on Honey's Farm, reports came in of dogs and foxes being eaten. Finally, a bloodhound, one of only five purebred bloodhounds in Australia, was brought in and the plan was that as soon as he found the monster, a pack of Scottish deerhounds would be released to chase it down. No luck. But it made great headlines. Yeah, remember, 1955, you had very much lower standards of animal cruelty than what you do now. You also have real low standards of journalism. If you go back and actually read stuff around 1940s, 1950s, it is so sensationalized. Like, people think it's bad now. The 1940s and 50s of small press 
had nothing on us. Well, they had nothing to report. They had to sensationalize and, a leaf falling in the park. Like. Well, and, and everything was like, it. you know, if there was a murder, like now you'd read it, you know, such and such was murdered in their apartment and dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. They would write it as a murder most foul occurred on a beautiful autumn evening here in the city. It becomes of flowery dot, prose. You know, and then as soon as they get to throw in some like, sensual sort of details. They're like, the victim had been visiting the local bordello and had met with the madam that evening. Poor bastard. (laughs) Or happy bastard, depending on how that meaning went. Uh, We have another quote from further down that same article. Wonthaggy's shopping centre buzzed with rumour last Friday that the monster had been shot. But it was not a monster. It was a 320-pound wild pig, which was felled by a fullicide of 0.303 bullets as it was feeding by the moonlight in Kongwak Butter Factories where they dam, also where I go for walks. Not really. Fusillade and Way Dam, uh, because a Way Dam, I am 90% sure, is connected to a dairy farm. Hey, man, I don't, I don't ride it. I just read it. I know. The monster continued to make occasional appearances in media for the next few years, until in September 1965, when the body of a dog-like animal was found by a woman and her friend as they walked along a beach. Almost immediately, word passed around that the Wonthaggy monster was dead. There looked like there was a gash in its stomach, which appears to have caused its death, Gannon concluded the article. The Wonthaggy monster was well authenticated. A total of 52 people have reported seeing it around the district over the past few years. Funny thing is, if you do a trove search for Wonthaggy monster or even just Wonthaggy, you won't find 52 reports. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. You get like 15. 15. (laughs) Most Uh, of them are written by him. (laughs) This is an interesting phenomenon uh, that happens quite often. Mm Mm-hmm where you get like deep sea creatures that get, uh, you know, they bloat up, they get, you know, the skin stretches and the salt water kind of preserves them a little bit. Then they get left on the beach and then they get even more shriveled up and people have no idea what they're looking at. And I always like how some people just take the closest thing that they can think of and be like, yeah, it must be that, you know, I once, there was once one of these weird sea monsters found on the, on one of the coasts and someone was like, oh, yeah, it's just a monkey that drowned. <laughs> that was their best guess because this thing maybe kind of looked like a corpsey monkey if you squinted. Well, that's, they were like, like the that's Hawks, what it looks like. That's like the Hawks River monster that we covered mm. and the Swansea River monster that was found nearby as well. It, they were just giant eels, but because they decomposed to such a point, people looked at it and went, yeah, that's not something from Earth. Mm. Well, it's even like... You know, you go all the way back to like Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. Now, the the photo in question that everyone loves so much, that's actually an upside down log. And the gynecologist who took that photo conspired with a bun- bunch of other people to sell the, the photo and, and drive up interest around Loch Ness. But the problem is that the legend is so ingrained that when new evidence is presented to say absolutely no, like we were confused about this or it was it was a misunderstanding or it was a hoax people can't get past the legend because it's too big and it's too long and it's too ingrained in the psyche. We're staring at you, Bigfoot. We well, know you're not real. You know, Bigfoot's a great one. Like, it's it's quite evident that the, the, the footage they have 
of Bigfoot. That's a guy in a suit. Yeah. You know, and then people will go, well, you know, no gorilla would walk that way. It's like, yeah, because there's a guy in a suit. I've actually seen footage of a gorilla carrying a baby that walks like that. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's it, it's one of those things. That's the Patterson film. The only time that I ever get a- real angry people is when I shit on cryptozoology and Bigfoot. So come at me, Bigfoot fucking <laughs> believers. Have at it. Jump on Facebook. I'll respond to every one of you pricks. <laughs> yeah, he's a better. Oh, yeah, we would beat up your Bigfoot. Bloody oath it would. And then the abominable snowman, he'd team up with the Yowie to kick the, bun- the Bigfoot's ass. And then the Bunyip would just rock up and eat them all. Yowie yeah, has sharp teeth. Bigfoots don't have that. <laughs> Supposedly. I don't know enough about yeah. American monsters. And it's another thing about the Yowie, too, is see, the Yowie is part of Australia. It's part of the dream time. It can phase in and out of reality, right? Like, it can go to the dream time or it can stay here or it can go back and forth. Sure. Right. Bigfoot truthers are so their their monster their their cryptozoological creature is so lame that now they've said that because they can't find it because it now teleports right so our, our, yeah we did that already We've that was part that. of its skill set <laughs> you know when stop copying us man you know and now they're like oh yeah it's a, it can teleport it can it can teleport between dimensions and i'm like nah Nah, the truth is it just turns invisible when it sees you guys because it just doesn't want to have that conversation. Well, I'm a, I think it's afraid if a, if a Bigfoot encountered an American in the wild that they'd be shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we must kill the Bigfoot in order to study the Bigfoot or the Big Feet or Bigfoots. Is that the plural, Bigfoots? Anyway, I've completely derailed us. Monsters. We're talking about the Wunthaggy monster. So technically it counts Bigfoot talk if we're talking about monsters? I think it fits into the cryptozoological theme of this episode. Originally, readers of the Pallet Express noticed a gentle teasing within the articles, possibly a silly tone to the articles being written about the monster. However, in the later 1960s, the tone of the articles became more serious and, quote, factual rather than anecdotes or fictional tales. Well, this is something that we've discussed already about the 1960s. Um, I can't remember the last, I think we were talking UFOs. 54 was the year of the aliens, so probably. It was probably around there. Um, Around this time, 1960s, there's this amazing little thing which has really, really exploded. And that's called... The movies, <laughs> right? Going to the movies. The pictures, the talkies. You know, and when we discuss what's going on in that era, well, they've moved past the, the monster films of the 1940s, 1950s, and we're now moving into science fiction territory. Mm-hmm. You know, you're singing like a, a 1960s version of King Kong. Uh, they're, they're still like a couple of the universal monsters are still struggling you know, to keep going. I think like the year of the black lagoon monster, I think I want to say black lagoon is one of their last ones. Um, you know, and then the invisible man, which is obviously based on a HG Wells book is, I think it's HG Wells. Fingers crossed it is, uh, you know, is based on that, but that that's about a scientist gone crazy. So every time you go into the cinema now, you're being encountered with, the giant ants have emerged and humanity will be destroyed. And you're constantly seeing that and you're being bombarded with it. And just around the corner is all the Roswell stuff, <laughs> you know, so 59. Yeah. So, so the world is becoming really enveloped in this uh, interesting cultural shift. 
into these science fictiony stories with monsters and aliens and you know men from other planets coming to Earth and gaining superpowers. Back to the Future definitely confirms this because the first one was set in 1955 and he was mistaken for an alien in the DeLorean. That's right, yeah. He dresses up as an alien to scare his dad <laughs> into dating his mum. Yeah, 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 yeah. He hits his, he, he blasts his ears with the, the rock and roll music, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time where I think people are really, really excited and really, really keen to believe in the weird, the funny, the supernatural. It's it's almost like civilization had got to a point where we're, they were like, well, we're comfortable now. We've created the nuclear family. We have a house. We have uh, 2.5 kids and a, a, a car and a dog. You know, life is good. So it's like, we don't need to worry about that. Let's now sort of reconnect with... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not a spiritual side, perhaps, but a, a, a side. Fantastical of, side. Yeah, a fantastical side. And it almost it always coincides. It's like humanity gets to a certain point where we're like, okay, we're comfortable now. Like our lives are comfortable. So we can go back to the fantastical. You know, we can start looking. You know, right now, what's the most popular thing that people are talking about in the sort of paranormal space? The constant UFO encounters that everyone's seen. The other week, there was another one with an American airline pilot. Uh, UFOs are making their way back into the zeitgeist. Uh, monsters and cryptids and... This podcast. You know, the, yeah, the, this, this whole podcast genre. Um, it, it came about on the backs of, you know, we can all... I don't care what anyone says. All of us can tie our origins back to last podcast on the left. And I'm, you know, a lot of true crime came out because of them and a lot of paranormal stuff came out because of them and weird crap in, in Australia is inspired by them. And we're now primed for this all over again. I just find it interesting how we keep going through these cycles. I like history, history. You like pop culture history. So mm. it's not surprising that you just had like a five minute rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have another quote from the Bass Coast Post. In the late 1960s, when Gannon began to declare its seriousness about the existence of the monster, he referred to it as a Tasmanian tiger-like animal, light, fawn-coloured, short-haired, and striped on its back and hindquarters. In the 70s, people began talking seriously about Tasmanian tigers or thylacines. Now, unfortunately, thylacines died off in the mainland before white man even rocked up. Yeah, go check out our episode on uh, the Tasmanian tiger. One thing, though, that this did conjure when I read his description was I remembered, okay, this thing can also fly. And I thought, how <laughs> <Sugar> cool. <glider. laughs> well, a sugar glider style Flying wings. and gliding are two different things. Yes. So a sugar glider style set of wings and, or gliders, whatever you want to call them, but on a Tasmanian tiger's body. That's immediately what I thought of like a gargoyle-esque sort of creature. Well, see, you said that and immediately in my head, I didn't picture a tiger. I pictured a devil and I'm like, yeah. I don't want to meet that fucking drop bear. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a drop bear. That does. 
In Decem on December 21, 1967, another article was published on the Wonthaggy monster alongside another sighting. On this occasion at 5.45am by Mr. Eric Junkert, 49, Potter of Ventor Phillip Island. He saw it in the morning after Mr. Joe Seckel, 62, publican, Dalliston, cited it. Mr. Junkert said, I was not getting home from a party. Like, I was up early, you know, headed for Melbourne when I rounded a sweeping bend as the strange animal was about to spring on the highway. It, it was abreast with the car. It, when it noticed the car, it, it turned with, like, feline agility back into the scrub. That was when I noticed the tail. It, it was long, it was thick, and it, and it was bushy. And that comes from the article, The One Thaggy Monster, Fast Becoming the Granville Monster, has been cited again in 1967. And you know, then what the One Thaggy Committee gets together and then they have to go and they, they go over to Granville and they're like, hey, Stop this, stealing is, our monster, this man. is our mascot. We're going to copyright this. You shouldn't be talking about this. This is not the Granville Monster. You know, in American universities, colleges, whatever you want to call them, where mm. they have mascots and they like to steal each other's mascots. Yeah. I just imagine a couple of teenagers from Grantville going over to Wonthaggy, <laughs> stealing their monster and running back. No, no. It's even worse <laughs> than that. It's it's two groups of rival cryptozoologists. So they both want the monster to write the book on. Yeah. So one group like quickly sneaks in in the night, like they grab up the actual Wonthaggy monster. You know, and then they're like, oh, you know, we've got it here. Shouldn't we actually like tag it and study it? And it's like, no, we've got to release it in our bush. So we have a, <laughs> a, a monster. And then the poor buggers from Wonthaggy then have to, you know, their cryptozoological community then has to go over the border, then has to go back to Granville, steal their monster and take it back with them. It's one big clusterfuck, this thing it is. There is one thing I'd like to point out in that article you read. Its tail was long, thick and bushy. Number one, Tasmanian tigers' tails are not like that. They are long and thin. Number two, that's a fucking possum, mate. <laughs> that really does sound like a possum or a big cat. Yeah, it's definitely not a Tasmanian tiger, which means it's probably not the one thaggy monster. <laughs> it's another monster. <laughs> it's a different one. It's one of those panthers getting around Melbourne all the time. Eric Jacket claimed the animal was the size of a small leopard with a stubby snout and pointed ears. It's a cat. It looked dark grey in the pre-dawn light and seemed to be a member of the cat family. Sightings of the monster all seemed to agree on the major points of description. Small, skinny, with a long tail and pale fur. It's fast and skittish, vanishing by the time anyone gets to take a second look. Now with these facts in mind, it's simple to see why people would begin to liken the creature to the Tasmanian tiger, or as it's better known now, the thylacine. As we stated in episode 63, the thylacine is described frequently as looking alike to a skinny dog with a narrow chest and waist while sporting a long kangaroo-like snout. Its ears were diminutive, its tail long and thin. The namesake of the animal comes from the stripes running down the base of its shoulders to a quarter way down the tail. These stripes are specific to the individual, like a fingerprint, and it's possible to identify a tiger by its stripe pattern, lengths and placements. With this thought in mind, it's easy to see why those who see the one thaggy monster believe that they are actually seeing a thylacine. I love how this is so convoluted that, oh no, you're not seeing an instinct, uh, an extinct marsupial. You're seeing a monster. 
And then both are dumb. Then both are dumb. This isn't helping anybody. <laughs> This is so fucking confusing for everybody involved. You've got all of these poor people being like, the thylacine, it's back, it's real, it's on mainland Australia, we found it. No, it's not, it's a monster. What do you mean it's a monster? <laughs> and then uh, some someone with a semblance of logic standing next to the two crowds goes, it's not either of those things. <laughs> it's Matthew standing there going, no, it's not, it's a fucking possum. And all of them just turn around and go, shh. You're ruining our fun. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Between 1955 and 1965, there were 52 reported sightings of a similar animal in the area around Wonthaggy. Most of the time it was seen near Inverloch Road, two miles north of the town, and usually in December. It's drawn by the Christmas lights. It's like the Christmas beetle. There do not seem to be any theories as to why specifically it rocks up at those point in times, but... You know, my money is on the fact that it's attracted to Christmas lights. Hmm. Or it's Santa Claus. <laughs> it's one of Santa Claus's uh, advanced scouts. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> However, we here at Weird Crap would like to posit a theory. She says we. Holly wrote this. <laughs> and because you're on this podcast, this is officially your position. Yeah, too. I just get. I mean, we're married too. So generally, your position is our official position. I'm such a put-upon husband. I'm really not. Some just some stereotypical jokes, just I think they still work. Feral cats are very territorial, remaining within their own run of land unless hunting a mate or defending from attackers. They can grow large and be patterned with stripes, especially in initial generations of feraldom. Being the size of a small leopard is not a large feat for a feral cat. As we've said before on this podcast, their bodies can grow to be 91 centimetres long, which is the record. It's nearly a metre. Which doesn't actually include the length of the tail. Now, adult leopards can be between 90 and 160 centimetres long without the tail. So technically, a feral cat can be larger than a leopard. Mm, That's crazy to think. (laughs) Didn't know that until I looked that up and went, well, fuck. Now, there may only be a small overlap here, but it's close enough to say that these feral that the Wonthaggy monster that was described as being a small leopard was probably, in fact, a leopard. (laughs) It's just escaped from somewhere. You know, one of the funny things is that whenever sceptics and debunkers, especially people like myself, want to debunk uh, alien visitation, Mm -hmm. um, easiest thing to fall to is sleep paralysis. Yeah. You know, sleep paralysis does cause people to have hallucinations, uh, the, the basics of it is that your body puts you to sleep, uh, but it shuts down your motor function so you're not kicking uh, your, your significant <laughs> other. Um, yeah, most people. Holly, no. Uh, Holly sleeps very soundly, very quietly, so quietly you think she was dead. Uh, and she'll wake up in the morning and I'll have like punched the crap out of a couple of pillows. The, the bed cover will be upside down. You'll be diagonal or across the bed and I'll be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, now- you know, people in the UFO community get really shitty when you go, well, it's probably sleep paralysis, that alien visitation they thought they had. And it's like, cannot be sleep paralysis. I feel that we're starting to fall into the same trap, though. We're blaming everything on feral cats. I mean, when the, when the shoe frets, like... It's, it's true. They're nocturnal, which feral cats mostly are. Yes. They're pale, which some feral cats can be. I've seen photos of ginger feral cats, so that's a thing. They're skittish. Cats don't like people. 
it kind of fits here. It does. It does. <laughs> About as much as a thylacine, but I know which one I'd bet on. <laughs> <laughs> Reported sightings of the Wonthaggy monster continued well into the 1970s, with people usually sighting the animal along long, uninhabited sections of the coast, generally in the Bass Granville area. Now we have another quote from the Bass Coast Post. Nola Thorpe was with a group of bushwalkers, several of them teachers, whom the cow's advertiser called practical, down-to-earth Gippslanders, heading towards the Bald Hills Wetland Reserve between Tarwin Lower and Walkerville when they saw it. It crossed the road and disappeared into a batch of tea tree. Three of the group followed and found it in a clearing about 300 metres away. Being birders, they had binoculars, so they could look closely without alarming the animal. Nola knew she was looking at a thylacine. Being a librarian, she later researched the animal and found the scientific descriptions were exactly as she and her companions had seen. Now, this shit just reminds me of that video that was recently released of the quote-unquote thylacine. Mm, Yes, the one that That turned out to be a quoll. No, not a quoll, a... Patty Mellon. Patty Mellon. <laughs> Australia <laughs> is so dumb. Like, even when I was reading <laughs> out that, when I, when I was just reading out that quote, I was like, Gippslanders and uh, Tarwin Lower and Walkerville and Tea Tree and, you know, and then obviously Patty Mellons is an actual animal in Australia. No, hey, mum, we got a herd of Patty Mellons running across the back deck. Well, the problem with Bloody the hell. The problem with the name Patty Mellon is it doesn't actually tell you what the fucking thing is. No, it it's a marsupial that's like- kind of look like a larger, like it's a cross between a mouse and a kangaroo. Yeah, but it makes me think like there's a wild rock melon or watermelon just rolling down the street. <laughs> like a Pokemon. <laughs> that's what it makes me think of. <laughs> However, this was not the only sighting of the monster in the 1970s. In late July 1978, the monster was seen again. Nola and Bob Phillips spotted the animals at Cape Peterson. This time, they were very specific in what they claimed to see at the bush that night. Mr. Phillips said, uh, I was always sceptical about it, but no longer. It was a Tasmanian tiger, all right, his wife Nolene said. They checked it in a book of Mrs. Phillips' uncle, Les Grieve. (laughs) Again, small town. So, okay, they read about it in a... This is how the quote's going. I, I'm going to actually add a bit of flavoured commentary here, right? So, Mrs. Phillips, uh, she's the one who... And Mr. Phillips, they see the actual Tasmanian tiger offhandedly mention that they checked it in a book by, that their uncle has. Yeah. So, the newspaper in this small town... Then goes and interviews the uncle with the book. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Greaves said, I believe like many that it got away from a flea-bitten one-night circus that visited Enverloc many years ago. I took the kids to the circus. There was this strange animal like a hyena in a cage. Soon after the circus left, sightings of that strange animal were reported between Ivanlock and Wonthaggy. So they went and talked to Uncle Greavy. And Gravy just went on a rant about the circus. <laughs> Didn't mention the book at all. <laughs> so small town. Would you like a second to recompose yourself, giggling Gertie? Oh, it's so stupid. That came from Look Who's Back Again from 1978. Look Who's Back Again. She's back. Tell a friend. That's all I 
you when I say that. I think of the movie starring John Travolta. Although that, that maybe that was Look Who's Talking. Anyway, I digress. It's Look Who's Talking. Yeah, that's it. Sightings of the animal petered out over the decades, though one seems to appear in the newspaper at least once a decade, keeping the myth alive. Councillor Han Middenhall and Mark Nichols were travelling towards Yarram at about 7.40 one morning in late November 1986 when they spotted a creature near the road. Oh, it was about the size of a cat. Uh, it had a long, lean tail sticking straight out behind it, uh, a very lean body, and uh, what appeared to be uh, singer and darker stripes on its body. That's from The Mirror in 1986. I think he meant to say ginger, and I that was a so. typo. Yeah, probably. Yeah. The reported sightings of the monster in the 1980s indicates that the early assertion that the monster had died on a beach in the south of Victoria in the 1970s was not actually the monster, or at least it was not the only one. Yeah, that was the one that the, the Gippsland guys actually had, uh, but theirs died, so then they had to steal the one from Wanthagi. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Sightings continued to pop up in Victorian media over the years, entrenching itself in the folklore of the area. I'm pretty sure if we asked friend of the show, David Waldron, Dr. David Waldron, about his local myth, I'm sure he'd mm. figure one out. Well, uh, obviously my, my father is a Victorian and mm-hmm. he always talks about these stories all the time. Uh, he said when they were in, uh, I think, again, when he was in Scouts or when he was with his, his football team, it was one or the other, but they went camping. Mm-hmm. And he said that was the first thing, like the first lot of spooky stories would all be about these uh, these panthers, these, these create like, you know, lions and tigers and panthers being led out into the bush. And then, of course, they were all camping out in the bush. So the first thing you, you tell do is stories. terrorize the 15-year-olds or the 10-year-olds or whatever it is you've that, got. That's right. Uh, age-old hazing traditions. More sightings were reported in The Star, The Cranbourne Sun, and other papers, especially in December 1990, when three different articles appeared over two days. Those are very slow news days. Very, very slow news days. And I've worked. (laughs) I've actually been in a newspaper office when you have a a slow news day. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened during that slow news day? You played paper (laughs) aeroplanes. You got interviewed to talk about your upcoming <laughs> books. That's Aww. that's what happened. And you know what happened on another slow news day? Holly also got interviewed again. We both did because uh, we were dressing in cosplay for the uh, the Batman The Dark Knight Rises when that was coming out. That was another slow news day. Yeah, we, we were in the newspaper a few times <laughs> because of that. It was funny. Like, the editor would go, anyway, I got a story quick. We need something. <laughs> I've got a story. Help promote my wife's books. Every December, there's at least one sighting of either the one faggy monster or a Tassie tiger in the paper. In 2018, the monster re-entered popular thought when an exhibit of artworks depicting it opened to much fanfare in Bass, a town nearby to the sightings. Coming alongside it, the monster myth gained new exposure and new sightings rode right along with it. Because, of course, when you see paintings in a room, you're going to walk outside and see monsters in the bush. Absolutely. In November, December 2020, as the world looked on in horror, the greater Gippsland area was reduced to ash. We all saw the photos of the red sky and the people mm. being evacuated by boats. That was, that, that, that image, those images are still burnt in my head. Oh, I don't think they're going anywhere soon. Yeah, because I, I think people, um, 
we've all had a, we all had uh, most of us had our experiences with the 2020 uh, black summer bushfires. Uh, but I, I have to say some of the images we saw, I'm pretty sure if hell existed, that's what it would look like. Even or it'd be bloody it close. <laughs> yeah. That was enough. Yeah. Remember the, the little girl in the boat mm-hmm, the and she's, yeah, she's they got the mask on her and just, it's just red around her. Just hopeless look in her face. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was like living in a different world. Mm-hmm. And then we got hit with COVID and the world changed again. Like Australians, we need a break, man. Like we really do. We've been doing this shit for 18 months, man. It's got to stop. We're tired. Millions of animals perished in those fires with carcasses of all different shapes and forms found by cleanup crews. Many different animals were declared extinct as a result of those fires, unfortunately. Mm. Can you guess what they didn't find, Matthew? The one thaggy monster. There were no carcasses of thylacines. There were no carcasses of the monster. That fucker's still out there somewhere. <laughs> or may- go get him. Maybe it's made of fire. I don't want to think that. That means maybe, there's another fire season like that the, coming. Maybe the bushfire has gained sentience. Oh, fuck. Who knows? Well, we hope you've enjoyed our little monster episode. We actually really enjoyed talking about it because there was a lot of fun elements to that. Um, this, of course, was your breather episode. There's something horrific coming for you, I'm sure. It's not actually, no, we're, we're going to be doing aliens again? No, it's going to be a cult. Oh, that's right. Yes, just, just give it away, Matthew. Sorry, Blake, can you bleep that out for me? <laughs> he's done oh, it yes, before. He's, he's pretty good at the bleeping. <laughs> he'll, he'll bleep it out. Uh, so, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff coming up for you. Uh, however, it is now April. Mm-hmm. This is airing in April, which means that my Kickstarter, Killaroo, Semperfy, or Semperfidelius, depending on how it gets launched, uh, is now up. Um how can you help me uh, make this little dream of mine a reality? Uh, all you have to do is head to the Kickstarter if you can. There will be links everywhere, um, but just type in Kickstarter Killaroo. It's certainly going to pop up for you. Uh, and there are different levels of uh, donation that, that you can donate to our Kickstarter. So, you know, at its very basic level, you get the digital copy of the comic uh, at, a, you know, a nice mid-tier I think it's about $20 uh, you get like a graphic novel copy of the comic 48 full color pages. Uh, I put my heart and soul into this as my first comic. So I really wanted it to do, you know, to do well. Uh, everyone who's been involved in the project and it's been a little weird crap in Australia project because uh, Holly uh, was our script editor and Ignacio is doing all of the artwork. It's it's full color, 48 page uh, comic, and it just looks absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, friend of the show and guest of the show, uh, Darren Close, who is the owner of the Killaroo comic and the owner of Oz Comics, uh, he is uh, obviously helping us with, um, uh, you know, layouts and lettering, and he's working with Ignacio all the time about placement for for word balloons and stuff. We it's going it's just going to be an amazing looking book. Now to get this book out there into the into your hands, uh, we need to crowdsource. Uh, that's how indie comic books get financed now, uh, which means we go to platforms like Kickstarter. So if you could do me a massive, massive favor, go to kickstarter.com, type Killaroo into the search engine. Uh, you should see our Kickstarter pop up and it would mean the world to me. 
if you would be able to uh, to contribute something to the success of that campaign. Uh, like I said, head to kickstarter.com, type in Killaroo, K-I-L-L-E-R-O-O, uh, and you'll see our Kickstarter there, Killaroo Semperfy. We've poured so much into it. We'd, we'd love to see this project actually happen um, and we'd love your support if you could donate towards it. That would be amazing. Uh, I know times are tough, but if you had a few spare dollars to throw uh, towards an awesome comic, this is the one for you guys for this year. Like I said, it's very much a weird crap in Australia production, this little one. Um, now going back to things that actually relate to weird crap in Australia, uh, don't forget you can, uh, help us out with uh, research material by heading to patreon.com. Uh, again, sorry, we keep begging for money all the time. Uh, those donations go into things like maintaining our service space. Uh, it goes into maintaining websites and to buying new equipment and buying research material. Uh, we love our Patreon guys a lot uh, and only for $5 a month. Uh, we actually give you extra content as well. So we do a mini-sode for our Patreon supporters and uh, you can snag that as well as this podcast completely ad free for $5 a month and just head to Patreon to check that out. Um, if you'd like to grab yourself a weird crap in Australia t-shirt, uh, that's easy enough to do head to weird crap in Oz, aws.redbubble.com. You'll be able to find a bunch of cool merchandise. Uh, most of it designed by Ignacio as well. You can get that slapped on everything from coasters to bath mats to t-shirts. That's all at weird crap in uh, buy the book as well. You can get Weird Crap in Australia for you. God, there's so much to plug now. You can get Weird Crap in Australia Volume 1 from Lulu.com in the physical edition, Amazon.com for the digital edition. Make sure you grab yourself a copy because Weird Crap in Australia Volume 2 is coming out September 1st, ladies and gentlemen. Our second book. We're becoming right little experts, Holly, <laughs> on things. So you can check <laughs> on things, maybe. Who knows? The, UK, the Radio UK thinks we are, so that's nice. Uh, now, if uh, you've had a close encounter with the One Thaggy Monster, please let us know, and you can do that via our social media pages. You can find us as The Modern Meltdown on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, our handle is at AUS, or you can shoot us an old-fashioned email to weirdcrapinaustralia at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to shoot us all your stories, anything you'd like to send us. We always try and get back to you as soon as we can. Uh, otherwise, folks, as is the tradition, we hand over the last few words of the podcast to Holly. Well, assuming as our listeners haven't actually contacted us with a list of things that we've mentioned, Blake's actually been started adding them to the bottom of the show list. Good on you, Blake. <laughs> He's we even did. mentioned what episodes we've mentioned them in. That should be a shirt that we get for Blake and we on call it On Your Blake. <laughs> on Your Blake, special edition that Weird Crap in Australia t-shirt, On Your Blake. And just a picture of him with his thumbs up smiling. <laughs> I love that. It's a classic look. <laughs> It's coming, Blake. It's coming. Brand he's new like, Blake t-shirt. God, no. <laughs> but he has no pants on the t-shirt. Uh, so he's wearing a t-shirt. face he's and got, hands. Yeah. We're not dealing with that. <laughs> anyway, folks, down. <laughs> that's it for us for Weird Crap in Australia for another week. Hope you've enjoyed the episode and we look forward to you joining us again next week for more of the weird, the paranormal, and occasionally executive producer Kat Talia bumping the microphone with her head. Bye for now. Bye.
This has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head to themodernmeltdown.net.